Appreciate it. Let's turn to the book of Romans chapter 1. We have really appreciated being with you. Lighthouse Baptist Church is certainly one of our favorite places, assemblies on earth. We thank the Lord for what He's done right here, what He is doing with you by His grace and for His glory. And we appreciate the, um, all the kindness you've shown, all the generosity and gracious hospitality. It really is, uh, is a blessing. And thank you for being used of God. And keep on doing what you're doing as long as it's biblical and to the glory of God. He'll keep on blessing. I'm glad that church building is God's business. And we are involved in the building up, the edification, the strengthening of one another and all. But the Lord adds to His people. And just keep on following Him and serving Him. And He also promised the gates of hell will not prevail against His church. Amen. Thank the Lord for that. Romans chapter 1. Verse 16, the Apostle Paul was writing to the believers at Rome. He'd not been to Rome when he wrote this. He had a great desire to go there and to preach the gospel. I believe he wanted to preach the gospel to uh, the lost and the saved. The reason I say he wants to preach the gospel to the lost, he says, I'm better both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. He had said that he wanted to have fruit among them. He said, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. That would also be the church. The church of the living God needs to hear the gospel preached all the time. We need to hear the gospel. When Paul wrote 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he was writing to the church of God, which is at Corinth. And he said, I declare unto you the gospel, how that Christ died for our sins, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Church members need to hear the gospel preached. My dad, years ago in New Hampshire, when we were just seeing that church uh, begun in Laconia, New Hampshire, a lady visited one Sunday morning, and I went and visited her that week, and she said, well, it was nice and all, but I don't want to hear the gospel every service. Now, I just said, now, ma'am, number one, how many services have you been to? One. I said, that's not all you're going to hear at Central Baptist Church. You're going to hear the whole Word of God preached. My dad preaches the whole counsel of God. Number one, that's not all you're going to hear. You've only been there one time. But number two, if you did hear the gospel every week, that would be a good thing. As long as that's not all you hear. I preach the gospel, I suppose, every time I preach. How can you not eventually be talking about Christ, who died for our sins, rose again, and uh, is seated at the Father's right hand, and that's why we do what we do, say what we say. That's, our, we, that's why we are what we are. That's why we're being what we're being. Because of the gospel. Paul was writing to the believers at Rome. He had an attitude towards unbelievers and believers that every genuine Christian understands. He said, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians. The Greek mind viewed the whole world as either a Greek or a barbarian. Greeks and barbarians. Thinking that your people group is superior to others, that's not a new problem. First century... Greeks viewed the world as Greeks, and everybody else, including us in this room, they'd lump in as barbarians. By the way, it's interesting. Do you know why they called people like us barbarians? Because when we talked, the Greeks said it sounds like bar, 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 bar. And that's not, I'm not being funny. It is funny, but I'm not attempting humor. That's really what they said. Kind of like when we go to China and we say it just sounds like ching, 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 ching. Or we go over to India, it sounds like, you know. Actually, they're speaking a language, a very complicated language, a very ancient language, 
The Chinese language is amazing. But to me, it sounds like a bunch of yang ching chicken wing, you know? That's just what it sounds like to me. To a Greek, people like us sounded like bar, 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 bar. Paul said, those people that are Greeks with their deep philosophical minds that really were shallow because they didn't submit to Christ. But with all their philosophy, all their education, all their accomplishments, they need the gospel. And all those barbarians, they need the gospel, and I have a debt to preach the gospel to them. We have a debt also, and that is to preach the gospel. Jesus saved us and left us here on earth as His church to preach the gospel to every creature, to teach all nations and baptize all the ones that believe and then teach them all things. And He said, Lo, I'm with you always. And all of that implies organizing churches without any doubt. Teach them all things and continue then the continuity as you teach them to also go out and teach the, all nations and baptize those that believe and teach them all things. Paul said, I owe you. He said, I am ready. Paul was ready to preach the gospel. He said in verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it, that's the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation to every one that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. By the way, that's how the Jews viewed the world. There were Jews and then there were Greeks. Greeks said, no, 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 there's Greeks and they're barbarians. Jews said there's Jews and there's Greeks. Paul says, I want to preach to every creature. Amen. And when Jesus said, teach all nations, nations is not from a Greek word that signifies political boundaries. Like we think of Mexico, United States of America, Canada, Greenland, Iceland. Nations is from a Greek word that, from which we make the word ethnicities. It's the Greek word ethnos. I think it's ethnes is the plural. But ethnicities, preach them to every nation, every people group around the world. The race problem is really not a race problem. It's really a sin problem. And it's a grace-settled problem. That's what we need, the gospel to every creature. And when people are saved and they get baptized and become a member of the church, there's neither Jew nor Greek, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, male or female. We are one body in Christ. Amen. There's different functions in the church, different roles in the church, but we're one body in Christ. So Paul's ready to preach the gospel, he owes the gospel to people because he is not ashamed of the gospel. Now, Rome, where Paul wanted to go preach the gospel, where he wrote this letter of the book of Romans, which really outlines biblical salvation so beautifully, why you need to be saved, how God provided for salvation, how you can be saved and know you're saved, and then what you can turn around and teach others about salvation, and then how salvation produces a changed life, and how to have this gospel practiced in your church membership and in your home and all. Rome, where he was writing all this to, was really the capital of the world. The capital of the world. It was the center of the arts, of philosophy, of culture, of worldly religion. Rome had so much to offer. Paul, though, said, I have something better to offer. What Rome needs is the gospel, the good news. The gospel means good news, but it's not to be understood like, oh, good news. Uh, I thought we were out of Fruit Loops, but whoo, we've got Fruit Loops. I'm not talking about people now. I'm talking about cereal. You know what I'm saying? So I, we, we got a lot of Fruit Loops all over the place. Some people think I'm a Fruit Loop, but there's, oh, I thought we were out, but lo and behold, I looked in the cupboard and there's, there's just enough for one more breakfast, part of this nutritious breakfast, right? 
I used to crack up when I'd see that as a kid, and there'd be two eggs, bacon, orange juice, and a bowl of Fruit Loops, part of this nutritious breakfast. Well, that's not the nutritious part of the breakfast, the Fruit Loops. But anyway, oh, good news, we got Fruit Loops. Oh, I, I thought I had, I, I thought that tomorrow I had to go to the dentist to have my teeth pulled, but, but good news, it's not till next week. That could be good news. But when you read gospel, it's, it's good news in the sense of absolutely life-changing, destiny-altering good news. It's kind of, it'd be kind of like you send your son off to war, and you're getting the reports, and we're just getting slaughtered left and right. And then this battle comes to a close, and you wait, and you wait, and there's nothing, and you pray. You get the whole church praying. You have a you have a prayer meeting that goes on for hours. People all over America are praying. We still haven't heard from our son. And then all of a sudden, you get an email that says, just want you to know, Dad and Mom, I'm okay. You say, that changes my life. That's incredible. That's amazing. Or we're having a baby. Life-altering good news. Gospel, the greatest news. Changes your destiny. Changes your eternity. Amen? I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. The the great incredible news that Jesus, who is God's Son, the eternal Christ, the eternal Word, left heaven, came down to this earth, lived a sinless, perfect life, died on the cross in my place and in your place for our sins. He who did no sin became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God. Jesus died in our place, took all the blame, took all the suffering, all the anguish, literally died and was put in a tomb, was buried and three days later on Sunday morning, rose up as the victorious King of kings and Lord of lords, and he's coming back one day to rule and reign on the earth. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Why do we need the gospel? Because we've sinned against God. Sin is defined very plainly in Scripture. Sin is the transgression of the law of God. It's you know what God has said, and you went against it. Adam knew what God had said. You're in this garden, you keep the garden, enjoy the fruits of the garden, but you do not eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And along came the devil and tempted Eve and tempted Adam, and Adam ate of that tree, he transgressed, and when Adam sinned, the Bible says, we sinned in him. And when Adam died, we died in him. We were in Adam. Just like I was in my father. I was in my grandfather. And my grandfather, who fought in World War II, on the, on the ship USS Hornet, if he'd have died in one of those kamikaze attacks he endured, if he'd have died in that brother, he was 16 years old. He was not married yet. If my grandpa would have died in a kamikaze attack, my dad would have died in it too. My Aunt Linda would have died in it too, and I would have died in it, and my sisters Judy and Lindy would have died in it, and my brother Mike would have died in it, and my sister's nine kids would have died in it, and her grandkids, and my uh, seven children would have died in it, four, five, six, seven, would have died in it. And my brother's three would have died in it. And my sister Judy's five boys would have died in it because we all came from grandpa, right? For his seed, his offspring. He would have died at the age of 16, would have all died in him. And when Adam sinned and died spiritually, we all died in him because everybody on earth came from Adam. That's why somebody from another world had to come. The, The last Adam. The song says second Adam. It's actually the last Adam in the Bible. The last Adam. Jesus came. He's not from Adam. He was given a body. He existed forever as the eternal word, but he was given a body that God the Father prepared for him in the womb of the Virgin Mary. Amen? And he lived a sinless life. He didn't die in Adam. He didn't sin in Adam. He didn't fall in Adam. 
And if you'll believe the gospel and be saved, you know what happens? You're taken out of Adam, out of death, and you're put in Christ. You have real union with Christ. And that union right there, that's not talking about the church. That's salvation. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Placed in Christ. That's not talking about the body of Christ. That's the church. But you're, you have union in Christ, and you're no longer dead in Adam, but instead you're in Christ who was buried, who died, was buried, and rose again, and you've been raised up with Christ to sit with Christ in heavenly places. Wow. I mean, wow. And the day I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and was placed in Christ, you know what happened? All of the benefits and all of that retroactive from the time Christ died and was buried and raised again. God sees it, but I, he says, I died, I was buried, and I was raised again too. You, explain that, Pastor. I can't explain it. But the Bible says it, and I believe it. Isn't that awesome? Praise the Lord. That's the gospel. I transgressed. I sinned. Now, brother, I didn't just sin and die in Adam. When I came into this world, I took my first breath, and I was sinning. I came out of the womb speaking lies, the Bible says, and the same about you. We have sinned in thought, deed, word, attitude, on and on you can go. We have sinned, and the reason we sin, the reason we came in this world sinning, because we were born sinners, because we were sinners from the time Adam sinned. I didn't become a sinner the first time I told a lie. I told lies because I was a sinner. I've heard some preachers try to say there's no such thing as original sin, and, and there's no such thing as being born sinners. I wonder if they've had any children. As I've watched seven of them come into this world, I never had to sit down and say, now gather around. Daddy's going to teach you how to sin. Here, this is called lying, okay? Listen carefully. <laughs> Does anybody else have to do that with your children? Now, it's a sin to disobey your parents. Now, I know you don't know what that is. You don't, you don't do that, but I'm going to teach you how to do that. That's absurd, isn't it? We sin because we came into this world sinners, because Adam sinned, and we sinned and fell, and that's right out of the Bible. Romans and 1 Corinthians tells us everything I just said. I'm not just spinning some tale up here. This is the Bible, amen? This is the Scriptures. We sin, and good news, Jesus really took our sins in his own person and endured on the cross the wrath, the eternal, just, holy wrath of God against sin. Isaiah 53 really happened. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all, and it pleased the Lord to bruise him as God dealt with our sin that was placed on his son. God raised him again. I want you to think about this little verse here, Romans 1.16. I want to give you just three things to think about. Number one, if you take outlines, you'll, you'll like this. This is a Gary Webb-style outline right here. Number one, the preacher. It's alliterated. It's three points. But I won't look over my little glasses because I don't have those. The preacher, number one, the power. That is coming soon. My eye doctor told me that. Get ready. You're going to be wearing reading glasses within a couple of years. I'm just going to find a new eye doctor that tells me pleasant things I want to hear. Amen? I want a pleasant eye doctor that tells me positive things. I need to tell her that when I see her next. The preacher. Secondly, the power. Thirdly, the prospects. This is something I believe every one of us can understand. If I can understand it, I'm sure you can understand it. Father, help we pray and get glory to yourself. And do what is best, we pray. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The preacher, Paul said, I am not ashamed. You ought to know who that I is there. His name was originally Saul. 
He was from a city named Tarsus. Tarsus was a leading city of the Roman Empire. Tarsus boasted one of the top universities. It was a free city in that empire, and they had tremendous commerce. Saul grew up with a great education. He had standing in society. He had a very proud heritage, and he was a very zealous man in his religion, very zealous, but he began to find out that it really was not the true religion of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. One day as he was exercising his religious zeal, persecuting Christians and traveling to Damascus to hail, to take them and hail them, to drag them out of their homes and to bring them back to Jerusalem and put them on trial and have them put to death that they wouldn't recant. One day as he was on the road to Damascus doing that, the Lord Jesus personally confronted him. And the book of Acts tells all about it, and Paul told about it the rest of his life. And by the way, if you get saved like Paul got saved, and there's only one way to get saved, but I mean if you really get saved, you will want to tell about it. If you get engaged to a woman, you end up telling people about that. I was telling complete strangers about it. I mean, I really was. I'd be in line at the grocery store, and someone would say, oh, you seem happy, and I'd say, I just got engaged. Let me... And I'm telling them all about this. I remember telling my barber about it. I remember telling, I mean, of course, relatives, friends, people I worked with. When I got engaged to be married and we had a ring and a date, everybody knew about it, brother. And the night I got saved, the next morning, everybody in school knew about it. How could I not tell them? And as soon as I could, everybody in our church knew about it. And that's what we get to do, say people. You don't keep it quiet. There's no secret service, Christians. Saul got saved. He met Jesus and he told about the rest of his life. He had all of this education, all of this city to build up, all of these religious achievements. And when he met Jesus, he said in the book of Philippians, he said, I took all of that and I counted it all up. Like you calculate something. And he said, I counted it all up and said, you know what it equals? It's equal to a big pile of dung. We'd say manure today. A big pile of manure. That's what I look at it. If I turn from it to actually gain Christ, to win Christ, and be found in Him, and be in on the resurrection of life, that's all manure. I turn away from that. I want Christ. God saved him. He repented, he turned, and he believed on Jesus. And he wasn't ashamed. He left that dead religion. He left that confused religion. He left all the ideas of that religion that had started out at one point, it was based on the Bible, but actually it was no longer even close to the Bible. Rejected Jesus. He forsook all that. He considered the future. He considered the fact that he'd either be with the Lord Jesus or he'd miss out on the first resurrection and be resurrected unto damnation. And he said, I count all things but loss. I write them off as a loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, that I may know him and the power of His resurrection. That's what He wanted. And by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Now, the preacher who said, I'm not ashamed, he was not a game player and a trifler. Now, I'm going to tell you, a lot of folks today that say they're saved, they're game players. They're triflers. They, they say things like this. Well, I do. They, they maybe won't say it out loud, but this is their heart, Brother Smith. And they indicate this over time. I want heaven. Who doesn't want heaven? Even if there is a heaven, I want it. You know, I've heard preachers say, maybe you don't believe in heaven or hell. Maybe you don't believe in Jesus. But what would it hurt just in case 
to ask Jesus to save you. That's not the gospel. That's not belief. Believe in the gospel sense in the Bible is to be totally persuaded. Absolutely persuaded. Absolutely committed. Just like you're totally persuaded of that parachute, and that's why you're willing to dive out of that airplane. You're not totally persuaded. You're not jumping out. Well, maybe if you're in the army, they just shove you out. Yeah, you're persuaded. Get out of here. But short of that, when it's your decision, you're totally persuaded. That's when you jump. You're totally persuaded that this is a good life vest and it will hold me up. If those ship goes down, that's why you put it on. Amen? You're to- hey, I'm not flying on an airplane unless I'm persuaded. That that airplane is sound and that pilot is sound mind. And I'll- If I saw that pilot uh, walking down that gangplank or whatever we call that, you know, the- as, they- as they walk down, to the- if I saw him walking down stumbling and looking like Otis on Andy Griffith and he's got a moonshine jug, I'm saying, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. I'm not persuaded. But I've seen our pilots, I've seen our aircraft, I've seen what we put them through, and I know there's billions of dollars worth of lawsuits waiting if they, <laughs> if they wreck it on. And I'm confident. I'm on the airplane and I go, amen? I don't have faith and confidence in that. If I'm walking around the tarmac doing circles around the air, I don't know, maybe put a foot, oh, I don't know. I just can't, oh, yeah, I guess I do believe. I'm just not getting on the plane. That's not belief. Triflers and game players, they say things like, I want heaven, but I don't. I don't really want Jesus as my Lord. I mean, I do want to go to heaven when I die, but I'd like to just have my life the way it is in the meantime. That's not salvation. It's not the gospel. I want a ticket out of hell, but I I like my sin. Jesus said, you repent. Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. You know, there's some foolish Baptists that are now saying, well, it's only repent from unbelief, not from sin. Haven't they ever read that unbelief is a sin? Unbelief is the ultimate sin. It's the greatest sin of all. It's the sin that the Holy Ghost reproves people of. He's come to the world to reprove people of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment, and He's reproving them of sin because they believe not on the Lord. Unbelief is a wicked, vile sin. To not believe in Jesus, God's Son, what wicked sin? I like, I like sin. I don't want to be saved. I was preaching in a, in a jail in Portland, Maine years ago and preaching to a group of men there and and said, he, he said, hey, if I understand this right, if I ask Jesus to save me, then I'm going to heaven when I die. And he said, in the meantime, if I, if I get out of here, I can have my crack pipe. And he began to, I'm not going to repeat some of what he said. And I said, you, have, you don't understand anything I'm talking about. Jesus came to save you from your crack addiction. Jesus came to save you from your gambling. Jesus came to save you from wasting your time and energy and money and your body and everything with prostitutes. Jesus came to save you from these horrible things. And he said, well, then I don't want it, because I like those things. He was honest. Another man in the very same group literally fell down on his knees, and he said, I don't want those things anymore. I've had those. He said, I've lived that life, and I know what it is, and I want Jesus to save me. Are you telling me he'll deliver me from all that, and I get to go to heaven when I die? And I said, you're understanding what I'm saying. He wanted to be made new. He called on the Lord that night in front of all the other inmates. None of them else did. That tells you a lot, doesn't it? He stayed in touch with me from jail, and the day he was released, he got in touch with me and said, can you tell me what church to get into? Because he lived quite a ways from us. Sounds like that guy got delivered from something. Saved means delivered, amen? Rescued. Paul was not a trifler who would say things like, I want Jesus, but I want to live my life the way I live it. Jesus is the Lord. Jesus saves you and takes over your life and gives you 
the best possible life, the life with Him at the helm. He gives you the Holy Spirit. He gives you His grace. He gives you strength, forgives you of all your sins, washes them all away with the blood of Christ. Amen. Why would you not want that? Gives you a home in heaven, eternal, a reservation in heaven that's undefiled and that fadeth not away. Well, Paul was not just curious. You heard these people, have you seen this bumper sticker? I haven't checked all your cards. If this is on your car, don't throw anything at me. Just take it off your car when I'm done. Have you seen this bumper sticker, Try Jesus? That's not good, friends. Now, you don't try Jesus. Well, I've tried A, B, C, D. And I know some preachers preach that way, but we're Bible preachers. Try Jesus. No, you believe on Jesus. You give your soul over to Jesus. You commit your soul to Jesus, believing Him to save you. I know whom I believe, and I'm persuaded He is able to keep that which I've committed unto Him. Paul didn't try Jesus. Paul threw himself down. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Jesus told him to go into the city. And Paul went there, met Ananias, and he was confessing his sins and crying out to the Lord. He was baptized and he served the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not saved by baptism, but people that are calling out to Jesus in repentance and faith in the New Testament, it always follows then that they want to follow Jesus by being baptized. Over and over you see that. Paul had heard the gospel preached. He said the gospel is the power of God. He had heard the gospel preached by Stephen. You ever read Stephen's sermon? Stephen was, he was kind of a tricky guy. They all got all upset, argued with him, and he was just wiping out all those seminary guys from that. That was a synagogue where they were famous for debating and, and delving deep and everything, and he was just destroying them just by knowledge of the scriptures. So then they, they all gathered around for him to preach, and he was pretty sneaky. He said, basically, let me tell you the history of Israel. Ooh, that sounds good. So he's got them all right along, and he's, Hey, God called Abraham, and then God raised up Isaac and Jacob, and they're, amen, that's good stuff. And then God sent Moses, and he goes into great detail about Moses and, and how Moses went to Egypt and these miracles and signs and wonders, and nobody can disagree with anything. And then, as he's going through this, he's talking about how people, how Joseph's brothers threw him in a pit, sold him to Egypt. He's going to come back to that. And he tells them how... Moses, the people strove with Moses. Everybody, oh yeah, that's right, our fathers did that. And they're agreeing, and he's preaching, and he keeps going. And then all of a sudden he says, and you're no different than them. You strive against God's man. You've gone against Jesus Christ. God raised And so this great history lesson turns into, thou art the man. <laughs> you're the one. You're doing the same thing as your fathers. And then they killed him. People don't mind Bible teaching. You keep teaching all these things. But then you say, now we got to do something with us and get our hearts right. And people who are wicked at that point, they want to kill you. God's people say, oh, I want to get right. Those men killed Stephen, but Saul was the young man who was kind of in charge of that whole thing. And he got rid of Stephen, but he couldn't get rid of what Stephen said. Because that's the gospel. And the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Saul heard that gospel preaching. He heard him preach about Jesus being dying and being buried and raised again. And Saul went on down and he kept on getting more and more heated. The Bible said he made havoc. When people get under conviction, sometimes they really get ugly. I mean, they really get mean and nasty. Paul was convicted. And when Jesus met him, he said, Saul, Saul, the shining light from heaven. Saul knew, oh, this has got to be God. This big experience like this. He'd read about Moses and the burning bush and others. So this voice from heaven, 
stop at this great lake. Paul falls down, this voice from heaven cries out to him. And Saul says, Who art thou, Lord? And he's expecting to hear, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Good job, Saul. Go get them, buddy. Imagine what went on in his mind. He said, Who art thou, Lord? I am Jesus. Jesus is God. Jesus is the I am that I am. Jesus is the eternal word. And just like that, Saul repented. He'd heard the preaching. He'd been under conviction. The Lord said to him, it is hard for thee to kick against what? The pricks, the goads of conviction. It's, and Saul had been convicted, and then he turns, and he calls out, what wilt thou have me to do? He wasn't a game player. He was a repenting man. He turned to the Lord Jesus and Paul confessed Jesus as Lord. He goes into Damascus. He gets baptized, calling on the Lord, confessing his sins. And straightway he preached Christ that he is the Son of God. And he did it in the synagogues. Wow. He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul showed his belief by getting baptized and obeying the Lord. And Paul said that before he was saved, he was the chief of sinners. But the Lord made him a brand new man. Jesus said, ye must be what? Born again, not reformed. I'm not part of a reformed church. Reformed never fixed anything. Regenerated, born again. Some people think I'm a Protestant. I protest being called a Protestant. I'm a Bible-believing, born-again Baptist, amen? Paul was born again. He was not a reformed Jew. He was a born-again man. And he said, I'm not ashamed. That's the preacher. What about you? Are you lost? You could be saved like Saul was saved, like Paul was saved. Are you saved? And you hear this, and you might think, well, this is good. I hope someone here is lost. And you're getting help too, Christian friend. We need to be like Paul, and we need to preach like Paul, and we need to confess like Paul, confess Jesus as Lord. And you need to understand, if you die lost, you will die in your sins, Jesus said. The pre you don't have to, though, because the gospel, that's the power. Let's talk about the power. The gospel is powerful. The gospel of God is the power of God. The word power comes from a Greek word, dunamis. When dynamite was invented, and then they, when we as English-speaking people got our hands on it, I think the Chinese figured it out first, when we finally got our hands on it, we used the Greek word dunamis to name the substance, dynamite. So that's powerful stuff. And the gospel is powerful, like dynamite, but it's powerful, like life-changing powerful, destiny-changing powerful. The gospel is a powerful message of truth. You and I have to preach that, believing it's the power, because it is the power. When you try something else, you're not really believing the gospel is the power. Well, I just believe that maybe if I'd use this certain technique or talk in this certain way that sounds really, you know, gospel-centric... Or, you know, or maybe I just wear my voice out. That's not, the power's not in that. You can, you can scream to your horse, but it's not going to add any more power to it. You can, you know, all the antics, but it's not going to change anything. It's the message that's powerful. It's not personal passion. I'm more passionate than some preachers, just personality-wise. It doesn't mean I'm any more powerful. It's the message that's powerful. Some other guy, maybe he's older, maybe he's really tall, and he's got a deep, resonant voice. And I can't even imitate those guys. But the power's not in that anyway. They can be used of God. I can be used of God. The power's in the message. 
the message of truth. We preach it. We believe it. And if you aren't saved, if you'll hear the gospel and lay hold on it and receive it to work in your heart, it will be powerful in your heart. But you've got to be open to it. Pay attention to it. Jesus said the gospel is like seed that you sow on a ground. And he said some ground doesn't really receive the seed at all. It's hard. People walk all over it. What are you letting walk all over your heart so you can't really hear and understand the gospel? Maybe it's time to kick some things off of the heart highway. Enough video games, enough movies, enough of all the novels and everything. I need to hear the gospel and be saved. Amen? Some people have a bunch of thorns, cares of this life, deceitfulness of riches, and they're trying to receive the gospel, but all that other stuff chokes it. Get anything out of the way in your life that you have to get out of the way so you can hear it and believe it. The people that are saved are those that hear it and they understand it and it brings forth fruit that remains and that can be you. Praise the Lord. It can be you. And it can be our relatives and our friends and our neighbors, but we've got to preach it to them. It's the power of who? Of God. The gospel is not the power of Bobby Mitchell or Pastor Jason Byler. It's not the power of the church or the power of preachers or the power of prayers. Well, I know I'm saved. I prayed and said, Jesus saved me, and I'm sorry for all my sins. So I know I've never followed the Lord. I don't have any fruit, but I prayed the prayer. There's no power in the prayer. Power is the gospel. It's the power of God. Salvation is of the Lord, Jonah said. You can't save yourself. No church can save you. Amen? I can't save you, but God can save you. And it starts with you hear the gospel, and faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So pay attention to the gospel. If you're not saved, listen. Read it in the book of John and other places. Ask Pastor Myler to sit down and teach it to you. Get your parents to help you understand the gospel. Because without being saved by the Lord Jesus, hearing the gospel and believing the gospel, without that, you're on the way to hell. That's where you're going to be forever. And deliverance from hell and from sin, that's what the gospel promises. Jesus saves. So you've got to turn from all your philosophies, all your ideas, all your attempts, all your, all your notions, all of your maybe hoping things work out and good outweigh the bad. Isn't that amazing? It's all over the world people believe that. Maybe the good will out. It's never nowhere in the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible. Turn from all this. Turn from your sin. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe the gospel. My grandfather used to say to my dad, he'd say, Bob, if I'm saved like you, I won't get to enjoy drinking like I do, and I won't get to enjoy uh, playing poker like, like I do, the gambling and all. And he said, I won't get to enjoy some of the, And he went through these things. Brother, he never would be saved. And he's been an eternity in hell for about 16 years now. You think he cares now about any of that stupid stuff? Beer and gambling and whatever other things are on his list. And Dad would tell him, Dad, there's nothing worth going to hell for. Turn from these things. There's nothing there. That's just the devil's games and tricks to keep you occupied and keep you away from Jesus. Some Christians would have told him, Oh, Harold, just pray this prayer and God will take care of all that. But he was sitting there saying, I like my sin. I want my sin. And you've got to be willing to repent, to turn from your sin and believe on Jesus. Wish Grandpa would have, but I know one thing. If Grandpa could talk to me today, he'd tell me, preach what you're preaching. The rich man who's in hell, he said, 
send somebody to preach to my brothers. I don't want them to come to this place of torment. And he said, they'll repent if somebody go. And Moses said, but if they won't hear the Bible, they won't repent. You better hear the Bible. Well, the preacher was Paul, and the power is in the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. Saved, rescued, delivered from Satan, from hell, from death, from sin, from bondage, from false religion, from fear of death even, the Bible says. Well, I like my sin. You're being deceived by sin. The Bible calls it deceitful. It's not your friend, it's your enemy. You think that you're playing games, but you're actually forging your own chains. You're going to die in your sins, and then you're going to be resurrected in your sins and stand before Jesus in your sins, and you're going to look at him who died for those sins, and all of those sins could have been taken away by him, but there you're going to stand in your sins. You're going to be cast out, and it's going to be your fault 100%. Don't do that, but believe on the Lord Jesus. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the church of the living God, the saints of God who are in heaven, we're all wanting you to be saved. And if anyone's in hell that loves you, they're in hell saying, don't come here. Believe. Miss out on this. The power of God is the gospel. We've got to preach it, church. We get to preach it. Then, and then number three, the prospects. Who can get in on this? Well, it says to everyone that believeth. I want you to, to highlight, though, in your mind, maybe even in your Bibles, maybe draw a circle around where it says every one. Get the one right there. The one. You personally. Um, the Bible talks about all in some places. The Bible talks about nations and peoples and families. But this one, brother, says every one. You're not saved because dad and mom got saved. You had to be saved personally yourself, didn't you? You had to personally repent, personally believe on Jesus, personally be saved by the Lord Jesus. Every one that believeth, that believeth. You're a prospect for this. Now, I've talked to people that say, I'm too good, I don't need it. Well, that's false. The Bible says that's false. Then other people say, I'm too bad. I can understand. If the Bible didn't tell me I could be saved, I'd say I'm too bad. But I have scripture that says I can be saved. And there's people that say, I'm too bad. Listen, Paul was the chief of sinners. That wasn't just some little fake humility he was throwing out to sound good and churchy. Oh, I'm the chief of sinners, you know. No, he really believed that. This is a guy that tracked down Christian families. He'd go into your house with his soldiers, drag you and your wife out by the hair, drag you to prison. He'd stand up and falsely testify against you and see you murdered. That was after he gave you every reason to blaspheme Jesus. How do you think he gave you every reason to blaspheme? Torture, threats, lies, etc. He put Christians to death. He was... He was like hell on earth. I'm not trying to be blasphemous. I'm just saying he was. He was, like a, he was like the gates of hell, just cruising through town, destroying people. And God saved him. If God can save him, he can save you. He really can. But Paul said, as to every one, you personally have to be saved. He was a blasphemer. He railed against Jesus. He said that. He was a perjurer and a railer. You know what a railer is? He'd just scream and foam and yell and carry on like a fool against Jesus. But it's to everyone. You yourself must believe. You must be persuaded. You must be convinced. 
that Jesus is the Lord, He's the Christ, He's the Son of God, and you believe that He died for your sins, and He rose again so you could be justified, and He's able, Jesus is willing right now, He's sitting on His throne in heaven, He's the Lord, and He's willing to save anyone that will just believe Him. That's amazing. What a deal. He's willing to save you, and His Holy Spirit is convicting you and working in you, Take him at his word. He's not a liar. He's Jesus. He's the truth. Take him at his word and commit yourself to him, believing him to save you from heaven and hell. If that's what you need, I want to encourage you to talk to your pastor. Talk to this pastor. I don't know who's church members and who's not, but talk to Pastor Byler and say, I need to know about this gospel. I want to know that I know that I'm saved. You can know in this life that you're saved. In church, what I'm preaching, we need to rejoice in it and be happy about it. And we need to preach it to everybody. Use tracks when you can't stand to maybe even talk to someone for a while. Knock on doors when you can. And talk to friends. Build relationships with neighbors and friends and workers and all. You can't go into work and get paid by the hour to be a preacher. But you can get to know people and have a good testimony. And you could say, hey, can we get together after work sometime? I'd like to talk about something with you. I'd like to tell you about the most important, uh, not part of my life, really my life. Hey, could you, all cut, could you bring your family to dinner? And I mean, just got to do it. Sometimes we look for opportunities, you know, to preach the gospel. And you could just walk up to someone and say, Hey, my name's Bobby. How you doing? I'd like to tell you the gospel. You know, you could do that. You ever done that? Well, I'm just looking for an opportunity. You, could, you literally could say to someone, Hey, you mind if I sit down by, by you on this park bench? My name's Bobby. I'd like to tell you about Jesus. If you, would you listen to me for a minute tell you about Jesus? I was with a pastor in a hamburger shop. The place is packed. Tables very close to each other. And this guy, we're talking about the Lord, and he pulls out a tract and says to the guy right here, I'd like to give you something about Jesus. And the guy said, not interested. Okay. So he put the tract away. So I'm sitting here. This pastor's here. That guy's right there. I look at that pastor, and I said, you know, I would like to talk about Jesus for a few minutes with you. <laughs> so we just talked about Jesus while that guy sat and ate his hamburger. And we weren't trying to be rude and arrogant, but I said, you know, I'm glad that Jesus is God's son. I'm glad he's the Christ, and I'm glad he died on the cross for my sins. And I said, let me tell you what Jesus did for me. And I said, what did he do for you, preacher? And he told me, and that guy kept eating his hamburger, and he was listening to us talk about Jesus. We can do that, amen? We get to do that. We've got to tell folks, because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Do you need saved? Today's the day. And today's the day to be a witness. Let's win our own children. Let's win people in our own homes. Let's be a gospel-preaching, gospel-living church because we're not ashamed of the gospel.